I'm transitioning just by not saying anything. Um, so my wife, Katie, that's her name. She's the cute one that sings the, not that they're all not cute, I'm sorry, but she's the one who plays the guitar up here. Um, we've been married for almost 19 years, and uh, at the end of this month, thank you. You should be <laughs> clapping for her. Um, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, I must have been married when I was five years old, is what you're probably thinking. I knew it. I knew it. You can't be a day older than 24. Um, so 20 years ago, um, we, we went like on our first dates. That's when we were dating. My kids would say back in the 1900s, right? Um, we went on one of our first dates, apart from our first date that was actually a, a guitar lesson that turned into, let's just, I didn't practice, so let's go out to Denny's. Um, we went to Six Flags Great Adventure, Darien Lake, which I'm from upstate New York. You might hear it in my voice. And um, we, uh, we, we were going, it's a couple hours away. We were going to Darien Lake, and this was going to be an epic date. Like if you, you ever planned a date, and you're like, man, this is going to be awesome. Nothing can go wrong. Like this is a fail-safe date. Uh, we were going to spend the day on roller coasters, and then we were going to end the night at Darien Lake, at Six Flags, at a Jewel concert. Yeah. Don't judge me. Don't, I, I feel your judging eyes, you young people. Listen, you do that stuff when you're in love, okay? You go to Jewel concerts when you're in love. Like, the opening band, this might get you, the opening band was Rusted Root. Remember them? Send me, I'm away, I'm away, send me, I'm away. I don't even know what those words were. You know, I don't even know what that means. That's the only song that I think they ever wrote. Um, they were the opening band, and I, th I know you're thinking, like, how could she not marry this guy after an epic date like this? So we're driving two hours, and um, as we're getting closer, you know, you're, you're coming up, and on the horizon, you can start to see some of the rides pop up on the horizon because they're, you know, Ferris wheel and roller coasters, all that kind of stuff. And I grew up going to, to this theme park with my parents, and so... We start coming up, and I, I remember seeing the, the wooden roller coaster. It was called the Predator. And uh, I'm like, oh, there's the Predator. And Katie's like, yeah, I'm not going on that. I was like, uh, well, I don't really like wooden roller coasters anyway. I mean, they're kind of jerky. You know, I always have to go to the chiropractor afterwards. And so I'm like, oh, that's okay. But then I see my favorite one, and it's the Viper. And uh, I was like, oh, there's the Viper. And she goes, yeah, I'm not going on that either. Like, so you just, you're going to watch me go on it? Like, is this, it's going to be on, on a date. And then I'm, I, I see the Ferris wheel, and she, I don't go on Ferris wheels. I'm like, what in the world is wrong? What is going on here? And then we see the Ranger, you know, the Ranger, not the pirate ship. That one goes like this. The Ranger goes all the way around. She's like, yeah, I'm not going on that. And we aren't even in the parking lot yet. I'm like, this I remember distinctly thinking, this is going to be the worst date ever. I'm going to have to ride the teacups all day long. Like, this is, going to, this is going to be bad. And the only thing I have to look forward to is a jewel concert. Like, just painting the picture for you people, right? Like, this is, this is in, my, in my, my, my way of looking at this, I was like, this is, this is not going to go well. And um, I remember looking at her as we were parking. I said, why did you agree to go to an amusement park if you find none of this amusing? Like, why is this a surprise to you? I don't understand. Like, we, we knew you've been to amusement parks before, right? Like, you, you know how this works and what, 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 what's here. Why are you surprised by this? And I was, 
I was thinking about this story this week because I was thinking about, have you ever been surprised at something that you really should have expected? Like, have you ever, uh, maybe you're, you're in a season of life or you find yourself in a situation or a circumstance or a struggle right now that you probably should have seen coming, but you didn't see it coming. Like, you should have expected it, but you're surprised by it. You get in this place, you're like, whoa, this is not what I thought it was going going to look like. And maybe it wasn't an epic amusement park date gone wrong. Maybe it's just life, right? Like, this isn't what I thought I was signing up for. And I think that sometimes in our struggles, we, we end up in a place that we didn't plan for. And I personally, I, I don't know about you, but I find that when I experience struggles in life, I seem to always be surprised by them. Like, I, I'm always like, what, what in the world is happening, right? Like, you get like a financial issue that comes up, and you're like, what, this isn't what, life, I thought we were on better terms than this. Like, all of a sudden something happens, you have a loss in your life, and you're like, what, what are you serious? And then if you're a Christian, then you add a compounding measure to it, because now you're like, God, what the heck, what are you doing? Like, are you asleep on the job? Like, I thought that the Christian life was supposed to go better than this. Like, when I signed up and prayed the prayer, I thought I was going to lose weight and I was going to look better. And, and I, I mean, everything was going to go perfect and I was going to be, like, I was going to get more money, hashtag blessed. Like, things were going to go well for me. And now all of a sudden I find myself, I'm in the midst of this struggle, and I'm like, this is not what I signed up for. And what we find is that following Jesus can sometimes feel like an epic date to Six Flags. This is not what I expected. This is not what I thought it was going to look like. I thought it was going to be one thing, and it, it doesn't look like that. And the truth about following Jesus is that there are sometimes times and seasons and, and, and that are just struggle. Sometimes it's uphill. There are times and seasons, and some of you maybe are in that right now, or you're like, man, I haven't known any other season. I've just been in a long winter. This has been a very difficult season of struggle in my life. Then this message is for you. The title of the message is The Struggle is Real. And uh, as I was praying about it this week and I was going through it, I was, I was really thinking, like, this is going to be the most encouraging message you never wanted to hear. One woman wants it. This is going to be the most encouraging message that you never wanted to hear. The struggle's real. The struggle's real. Um, see, it really boils down to this, that the Christian life isn't a playground. It, it's a battleground. When, when, when you sign up, when, you know, when, when God saves you, whether you choose to fight in this fight or you choose to just sit back and get beat up, the struggle's real. It, it, there's, there's a, there, you have a real um, enemy who is after you to steal, kill, and to destroy. And for many of us, when we become a Christian, when we come and we start walking with the Lord, we all of a sudden have a target on us. The enemy targets us. And so, why would, if, you're, if you're in a battleground and you've got a target on you and you're, you're a soldier in the army, why would you get surprised to get shot at? You should just expect it, right? That's just kind of how things happen. And um, it's something that we don't like to talk about much, but we all experience it. We don't like to, to talk about this side of, of what it looks like to, to um, go through life, the Christian walk, and have struggle in the midst of it. Um, 
it's some, sometimes maybe you, you, you come to Jesus and he, he heals you and he sets you free and life is amazing and then all of a sudden a struggle comes. Um, so you get spiritual backlash or haters rise up and you're like, man, what is your deal? Can't we all just get along? Like, why is everyone all like up at, like what is going on here? All of a sudden you have like some, some sort of financial hardship or a loss in your life and we find ourselves thinking, this isn't what I signed up for. And, and, and then we start questioning, what am I doing wrong? Like this Christian life isn't supposed to look like this. It's supposed to be better than this. What, is, what am I doing wrong? Or worse, we start asking the question, God, what are you not doing? Like are you, are you doing anything right now? Because if you were, you wouldn't be putting me in the place that I'm in. And the Apostle Peter writes uh, a letter to some followers of Jesus and in 1 Peter chapter 4, I'd love for you to turn to me with it. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, it's kind of our key verse today. This is what he says to the followers of Jesus. He says, dear friends, we're all friends, dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Let me just read that again so it can really sink in. This, these kind words from the Apostle Peter. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on to test you. As though something strange were happening to you. In other words, he's like, don't be surprised by the struggle as though something strange were happening. You should actually expect it the most encouraging sermon you never wanted to hear. In fact, if you want to see Jesus' words, I'll show them to you. He actually pretty much tells us that the presence of persecution is proof of following him. These are words in red for you, John chapter 15. Verse 18, Jesus says, if the world hates you, <laughs> keep in mind that it hated me first. So you're in good company. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. So if they persecuted me, they'll also persecute you. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. Essentially what Jesus is saying and, and Peter is echoing in his little letter is that not to worry about when you're persecuted, worry when you're not. That's what he's saying to us. I mean, like, you should expect, don't be surprised, don't think it's strange. Like, expect that to happen. And if it's not happening, you might want to take a look at how you're living. Because the commands of Jesus are kind of, uh, how would you say, strange, different, weird, odd, stand out, not like everyone else. He says things to us like this, love, even when, you, even when people hate you, you show love to them. Yeah, give, even when they might take advantage of you. you know, forgive, even when they don't deserve it and, and they don't even maybe know that they hurt you. Uh, pray for those who persecute you. Pray for your enemies. Uh, return evil with blessing. Like he says some pretty crazy weird stuff. I mean, this is weird, and you should be strange. Turn to your neighbor and say, I think you nailed it. 
I think you nailed it. You, you should be weird. You should be strange. This is what Jesus is talking about. This is what Peter is talking about as he's, as he's pouring into this church. But the presence of persecution in your life should not be strange. That's the one thing that he says. And it's unsettling, and I get it. I can feel it in this room. You're all like, nobody's waving their hankies at this one, okay? There's this reality that we know it to be true. We live in the midst of a fallen world. We live in the midst of struggle. There are people and things that rise up that want to steal, kill, and to destroy us. And yet we're, we live in the midst of it, not wanting to admit that persecution is part of the deal. That's what Jesus says. And I love how, how Peter writes this. In, in Well, it's written in the message paraphrase. Verse 12, 1 Peter 4, 12. Eugene Peterson writes this. Friends, when life gets really difficult, like not just difficult, but like, you know, world difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Let me say that again. Friends, we're all friends. Friends, when life gets world difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. In other words, don't allow the presence of persecution to cause you to doubt the presence of God. Sometimes when we have persecution, things that rise up, things that aren't going the way that we expected or, or thought that they should go, or man, this is strange, we start to doubt the presence of God. Like, God, you're obviously not here because if you were, then I wouldn't be going through this persecution. I wouldn't have this struggle. Things would not be going the way that, that they're currently going. And when we doubt the presence of God in our life, then we start to jump to conclusions, don't we? We start to, start to do things out of character. In other words, when I'm doubting the presence of God in my life, I start thinking, I need to take control because God obviously is not. Like, I need to start actually taking care of this thing, and I'm, I, I, I can't really trust God right now. I've got to take care of me, myself, and I, and my family. I've got to do this because God obviously is asleep on the job, and he's not taking care of me the way that he should. Or, if I'm doubting the presence of God in my life, I'm like, you know what, this whole, like, Jesus thing really isn't working for me right now. Like it was when I was like addicted and it freed me. I mean, it was when I was dead and now I'm alive. But like now it's, it's not really working out for my benefit. And so I'm going to kind of that. I, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. And this is what he says in 1 Peter 12, 13, or 1 Peter 4, 13. Instead, instead, be glad. You know, don't jump to conclusions. God's on, God's, you know, that, that God isn't on the job. Instead, be glad that you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced. This is spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. So what are you telling me? Are you saying that, like, the junk that I would rather not go through in my life can actually cause a spiritually refining process with glory just around the corner. Don't be surprised. It isn't strange. And I was thinking about this this week and praying about it. I'm like, Lord, uh, can you just show me like a, a scripture where I can really pull this out of? You know, it's one thing to say it and talk about it, but they don't want to hear me just talk about it. Like, I, I want to be able to pull this out of something. And he gave me two scriptures. He gave me two miracles that Jesus performed. And uh, if you've got your Bibles, they're in John chapter 5 and John chapter 9. And um, the first one, <clears throat> essentially, both of these miracles that the Lord was showing me this week was, um, they're both miracles 
that, that we, we like to go through. I've preached on these here, and we go up to a certain point, and once the miracle happens, then we like to end it right there. I, I, I don't know if you've ever done this, but you like start reading through the this, this story, and then all of a sudden you get to the miracle happening, and we almost want to finish it like a fairy tale, like, and they all lived happily ever after, right? Like, and as if God came in and he freed this guy, God raised this guy from the dead, dead, God opened the blind eyes, and they all lived happily ever after. And what I want to talk to you today about is this reality that there's always more to the story. There's always more to the story. And I preached on these two miracles. Today I want to take a look at the story after the miracle. It's actually the same story. Sometimes we like to chop it off right there and act like they're two separate events, but they're actually the same story. It's the story of a life. Why? Because that's where you live. You live in the midst of God freeing you, God saving you, God doing this work in you. He set you free, but that's not the end of your story. And today I want to encourage you that sometimes it is the struggle in your story that makes it great. We just ended with, yeah, I came up at vacation Bible school and committed my life to Jesus, and then we all lived happily. We know that's not true, right? Because we live in real world. We live in the reality that, like, no, actually, there's great loss, and I, I've endured hardship and struggle, and things haven't gone the way that I thought that they would. My life didn't end at vacation Bible school at seven years old, receiving Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I've actually experienced struggle. And it wasn't. They all lived happily ever after. So this is what I want to take a look at because this is where we live, the struggle in the story. The first miracle is in John chapter 5. Um, and we're going to start in verse 6, but let me paraphrase up to that. Jesus comes in. You've heard this story. If you've been in church for a while, Jesus comes into this pool of Bethesda. This pool is surrounded by a bunch of uh, tons of sick and disabled people lounging around the edge of the pool. Why? Because legend had it that this was a magic pool, this was a special pool, that every once in a while on a blue moon that an angel would come and stir the waters. And once the waters were stirred, the first person to flop themselves into the pool was healed. Everybody else was like, ah, I never make it. So this was how it worked. Now, there's not necessarily any evidence this did happen, but this was the legend, and this was why everybody was waiting for Adult Swim, right? They were just all there waiting to get into this pool. So Jesus comes up and he singles out one nameless man. We still don't know his name. Throughout the whole story, he remains nameless. But we do know one thing about him. He has been disabled for 38 years. Paralyzed, disabled for 38 years. John chapter 5, verse 6, this is what it says. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a very long time, he asked him this question. Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I've known to help me into the pool and when the water's stirred and while I'm trying to get in, you know, I'm just it's not quick enough, smart enough, strong enough, popular enough. Somebody else gets in ahead of me. And I'd like to suggest to you as we take a look at this, this guy that it's, it's kind of a foreshadow of how a picture of how Jesus saves you. You were spiritually paralyzed unable to free yourself from your own sin, stuck in your own muck. You couldn't do it on your own. Your friends couldn't help you do it. And then one day, God shows up. You weren't looking for him. You were staring at the water, hoping that was going to save you. 
And Jesus shows up and he looks at us and he asks a defining question. He says to the man, do you want to get well? Now the answer is kind of like, well, of course I do. Like, why would I, I buy the water? This is kind of what I'm doing. I've been doing it for years, waiting to get healed. Of course I want to get well. And I think Jesus would ask, ask Clarence, do you want me to change your life? Okay, well, that's a, that's a different question. And then Jesus looks at him and gives him a command that requires his obedience. I want you to catch this. It says, then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Now, if I were this guy, I'd be like, oh, is that, is that all I had to do? Man, I wish I didn't realize it was that easy. I would have done that 38 years ago. Man, I wish you were here a while ago to tell me that, because that now, now that I know, thank you, right? This guy, all of a sudden, stands up, he's healed. Don't miss this. Jesus said, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And I don't want you to miss this. When Jesus tells you to do something, and you're obedient to it, miracles happen. I think it still actually works the same way today. I, I wonder if sometimes we try to complicate or overcomplicate a life of miracles when maybe it's almost as easy as hearing God and not just saying, oh, I heard God, I got goosebumps on that's awesome, right? No, but walking in obedience to what we hear, responding to the word of God, and watch what he does. Well, I don't know exactly how it's all going to work out. I mean, I'm not really quite sure how he's going to do it. He, he doesn't ask you that. He just says, this is my command. Walk in obedience to my command and watch what I do. And this is what happens to this guy. At once, he was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. And this is where I end the story. And they all lived happily ever after. Right? No, not right not actually the end of this guy's story. This is really the beginning of this guy's adventure with God. So this guy is set free, but please do not understand freedom. Freedom does not mean that the fight is over. Freedom for this man actually all of a sudden now means that the fight has just begun for him. He's never had to really fight much of anyone. He just lays by the pool. 38 years, an invalid, paralyzed. All of a sudden now, his freedom means that his fight has begun. It's interesting. Verse 9 says this, The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. I mean, he just literally got healed. And so the Jewish leaders said to this man who had been healed, Whoa, 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 stop! What do you, what do you think you're doing? It's the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. I'm sure this guy was literally, I mean, he's like, he's like, <laughs> he's running, he's jumping, he's skipping, he's sashaying. I don't, I don't know what sashaying is, but I bet he did it through weeds. I don't know, he's sashaying all over the place. And they're like, whoa, 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 wait, hey, you, you, yeah, you, nameless, invalid, former guy, you, what do you think you're doing? Law says you're not supposed to carry your mat. Wait, are you serious? Are you talking to me? You've never talked to me. 
Like, you're serious right now. I, 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 I was paralyzed. You never helped me. You never helped me in. You never cared for me. You never painted. You don't even know my, what's my name. What's my name? You don't even know my name. And now all of a sudden, now all of a sudden you care about me. Now all of a sudden you're like holding me to these man-made rules that all of a sudden I'm not allowed to do now that I'm, now that I'm free. Listen, your first note is this. When, when Jesus set you free, don't think it's strange when you have opponents you never had before. When Jesus sets you free, don't be surprised when you have enemies that you never knew you had. That's what this guy's going through, right? Because what? When you're a slave to sin, when you're paralyzed at a pool, nobody's look, nobody cares, nobody's like, nobody cares what you're doing. No, nobody's taking notice. You're not a threat to anyone. Satan doesn't have a have a mark on you. Nobody's really like looking around. They're just trying to avoid you. But as soon as you get some freedom, don't be surprised that the devil puts a target on you. Because why? You have an enemy. And he's not happy about your freedom. You're no longer a slave to sin. You're a weapon for God. That's what this guy is. And just a few moments before this, I want you to, I mean, there are moments. The guy doesn't even get like a stinking day of being free with new legs, right? Like, nobody bothered this guy. They don't know his name. And now he can walk and jump and sashay like the best of them. And all of a sudden, this makes these people irate. Like, whoa, 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 what are you, what are you doing? He gets healed and instantly he's in controversy. Instantly. As soon as he starts running and jumping, they're like, wanting to push him back down. He gets free, and all of a sudden, he is surrounded by bullies at every angle. Surrounded by bullies. Listen, don't be surprised or think it's strange when God pulls you out of the muck that he found you in that you will have accusers that try to push you back in your place. Do not be surprised. Do not think it's strange when, when God pulls you out of the muck that he found you in, that you don't have people around you, that all they want to do is just put you back in the place where they found you. This man has been paralyzed for 38 years, and now he's healed, and he's running and jumping and skipping and sashaying. And what are they concerned about? That he's carrying his mat. Essentially, they're like, well, you, do, you know what? Just, you need to lay back down. Get back down there. Get back up. Get, get, you know, get back on your mat. You ever have friends like that? <laughs> People that, like, are around you that kind of just pull you back down into the muck that God just freed you from? No, nobody. You apparently don't have friends then. Be praying for you. You, you, know, you get free, and all of a sudden, like, you, you, you thought that they'd be happy for you. You thought that, like, I mean, I'm sure this guy was like, man, they, people are going to be so stinking excited that I'm not paralyzed anymore. Like, this is awesome. And for maybe for some of you, you know, you'd think that, like, they'd be happy that you're sober. But it's almost like they, they act like they'd be happier if you were still drinking. They'd be happy if you just... Get back on your mat, get back in your place. And That's all this Jesus stuff you're talking about. Get back in your place. And if you're like me, once persecution starts, 
Maybe your zeal and excitement starts to get a little bit like not well received. You may tend to think, well, maybe I just need to settle back down. You know, maybe I was a little excited. I sashayed a little too much. I might have bumped into some people. So like maybe I should dial back on my commitment to Jesus. You know what? I said yes to too many things. You know, I, I think I'm going to have to pull back on this. Uh, maybe I was a little overzealous and, 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 and I said yes to too many things. And I, you know, when I just got these new legs and they are nice legs, right? And I don't want to pull any muscles and I definitely, I mean, this is my first day on my new legs and like, I should probably not get so excited and start jumping because I could pull, I could pull something. Anything could happen, right? Unless, it would be normal to think that, unless you realize I was paralyzed. Are you kidding me right now? You want me to get back on this mat? I, I, I didn't have legs before. Do you understand that three minutes ago, I could not walk. So no, I'm not going to lay back down on the mat just to make you more comfortable. Are you serious right now? I think some of us need to have that realization what God has freed us from. Look at, lay back down. I've been laying down for 38 years. No, I'm sorry. I'm not laying back down. No, I'm going to sashay right all over you. You have to deal with it. And when we, forget, when we forget that, when we forget what Jesus has freed us from, when we're surrounded by accusers and opponents and enemies that we didn't even know that we had trying to pull us back down, just get on your mat. Just sit back. Oh, you think you're holier? Oh, yeah, okay. Just get on your mat. If people that surround us and maybe for some of you, you you've, you've actually done, you've actually sat back down. I, you know what? I'm I'm going to just I'm going to pull back a little bit. I'm going to sit back down on my mat, only to realize, what am I doing? I have nothing here anymore. Like I'm going to go back to this addiction. Like I, I'm not even good at it anymore. Like what, this is this is I have nothing here, and the struggle that is in my face. Is, it pales in comparison to the struggle that Christ pulled me out of. And sometimes we get those two things mixed up, thinking the struggle that is in front of my face, man, I should just go back to where I was. Seriously? Let us not forget, you were paralyzed. You could not help yourself. Nobody could help you. Jesus pulls you out of the muck that he found you in, set your feet on solid rock, turned you around, set your feet on solid ground, and maybe you should go back. Maybe, maybe it was better. Really? Real, really? I beg, I beg to differ. And I love how this guy responds. He just is really matter of fact. John 5, verse 11, he says, Well, the man who made me well, the guy who healed me, said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. And I did. That's, that's the story. Kind of what happened. Remember, it was five minutes ago. Y'all saw it happen. Like, like, he just said, pick up your, I, I did it. And then, so what is your deal, people? Well, I, I don't, have you noticed that I am no longer paralyzed? Excuse me if my zeal is annoying you. I'm, I'm really sorry if my skipping is too repetitive for your ears. 
sorry if my, my excitement is a little much for you, but I was paralyzed for 38 years, and now I got new legs, and like, I got to try them out. So I'm going to sashay all over you. This is what I do now. This is what this guy's life is like, and I'm not going to lay back down just so that you feel more comfortable. So, do not allow opponents that you never thought you had and accusers that would love to push you back down to cause you to lay down on a mat that Jesus just freed you from. Don't allow it. Don't be surprised. Don't think it's strange. Expect it. But don't allow it. There's another miracle in John chapter 9. Um, this man was, uh, the story is that the man was blind from birth. All these guys have been sick for a very long time. Um, Jesus goes in and he, uh, he spits on the ground and makes some paste. It gets a little weird. And, uh, and then he puts it in the guy's eyes, mud and spit in the guy's eyes. And he, um, he says, okay, now go wash off in the pool of Siloam. Um, so the guy does, and, and lo and behold, he, he can see. And he comes home wide-eyed, and uh, he, he has sight for the first time ever. I'm sure he's probably screaming, I can see! I can see! And then they all lived happily ever after, right? Oh, no, it's not. Oh, okay, well, we'll keep reading this. John chapter 9, I want you to just see how, how some of these people respond to this guy who has been blind since birth and now sees. They're, they're saying things like this. Is that really the, the blind guy that used to beg for money? Remember him? Yeah, that guy. Remember the guy that's jumping up and down and not running into things anymore? Remember remember him? Like, you think that's him? Frank, Frank, is that him? No, no, that's his doppelganger. No, 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 that's not him. That's, he just, well, they're a lookalike. Bitmoji's very similar. Like, no, it's just, that's not, that, that, that can't be him. And, and, and I'm sure the blind guy's like, no, 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 guys, I can hear you now, and I can, I can see you talking about me. It's me, it's me, I'm the former blind guy who used to beg. That's me. And they're like, no, no, that's not you. What? I, no, it is. It, it was me. It's me. I, I, I am that guy. And if I was to be honest, I, I would probably be like, okay, guys, well, this is getting really weird really quick, and uh, I'm going to go walk around and see the world that I've never seen before for the first time, and while you guys argue about who I am. Is that okay? Can I, can I leave now? This got really weird. And it gets even weirder because look how embarrassing this gets. They didn't believe him, so they send for his parents. He, he's a blind man. doesn't say he's a blind boy, blind infant, blind child. He's a blind man. They're like, yeah, I don't know if you know who you are. Um, we're going to have to get your parents in. So mom and dad come strolling in, and um, John 9, verse 19, will pick it up. It's, they ask his parents, is this your son? They ask him, is this the one that, was, that you say was born blind? Uh, how is it that he can see now? We know he's our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind, that's for sure. But how he can see now or, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him, he's of age. He's 52, right? He'll speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Catch this, and I don't want you to miss this. 
they said this. Well, ask him. Uh, we don't know. They said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Interesting, right? Well, would you put yourself in this scenario? Maybe as the parents, right? These parents are, 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 are standing there looking at their son who had, was born blind and for the first time in their existence, he's looking back at them. I mean, I can't even imagine. And they were afraid to stand behind his story. What? Are you kidding me right now? Like, what do you have to lose? And I just want to remind you that when Jesus sets you free, don't think it's strange when you have intimidators that try to silence you. When Jesus sets you free, don't be surprised when you have people that are trying to intimidate you. Shh, shh, stop, stop it. Talk about Jesus, stop it. Stop talking about Jesus or else. You're going to lose your job, you're going to lose your position, your popularity, your prestige, your place. Your... Just stop it. Just be quiet, smile and nod, or don't come back to this club. And these parents buckle at the intimidation of a bunch of bullies. And I love how this formerly blind man does it. John 9, verse 24. A second time, they keep asking him the same question. They don't want to believe him. Second time, they summoned the man who had been blind, and they said, give glory to God by telling the truth this time. And they said, we know this man is a sinner. In other words, they're, they're trying to pit Jesus as a sinner. We know he's a sinner, so tell the truth. How did, you, how did this get fixed? And I love his response in verse 25. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I, I don't really know. That's like above my pay grade, okay? One thing I do know I was blind, but now I see. Like, like I, don't, I don't know how to argue with you. I know you're a lot smarter than me. You got like theological degrees, and, but I, I know we could sit around. You, you, you're trying to like stump me in these, like, these, these, these theological issues, but I, I don't know any of this. All I know is that I was addicted and now I'm set free. All I know is that I was blind and now I see. I, I don't know how to argue how many angels can fit on the head of a pin. All I know is, is that I was lost and now I'm found. That's, all, that's my story. That's my story. I don't really know how to get into this with you. And these intimidators try to silence him. But how many of you know that a man with an experience of God is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. When you know that you know that you know what God has done, it really doesn't matter what intimidators try to silence you. Just know that you know that you know. Listen, nobody argued you into the kingdom of God, so don't let anybody argue you out of the kingdom. If, if you are truly born of the Spirit, if you have come to the realization, the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. You have been born into the Spirit. God has lifted you up, pulled you out of the muck that he found you in, set you on solid rock. You weren't, 
you weren't argued into the kingdom. You were won into the, into the kingdom through the price that Jesus paid for you. So don't allow somebody else to ar- try to argue you out of the kingdom. Silence you. Continues in verse 26. And they asked him, what did he do to you? How, how did he open your eyes? How, like, what, what exactly happened there? And he answered, <laughs> I like this, he gets a little salty. He says, uh, I, I told you already and you didn't listen. What, why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? He could probably do that for you too. Right? He, he, he's just starting to like, now, you know, have you ever been in the place where you're just like, I'm all done. Like, I'm all done talking to you. I'm all done in this, this ridiculous conversation. You brought my parents into this thing. I need to go see the world, literally. Like, and, and you're holding me up in this really awkward, weird conversation. Why do you keep asking? Do you, want, you, you, want, you want to become his follower? This is their response. They hurled insults at him and said this. You are this fellow's disciple. We're disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but for this one fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. <laughs> and the guy, you know, he's all done with these guys. This is how the man answered. Now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. All of a sudden, I want you to see this. All of a sudden, this guy grows some theology. He's like, I don't know much. I was blind, but now I see. And all of a sudden now, he's like, all right, I'm done. Right? He's like, the gloves are off, and this is what he says. We know that God does not listen to sinners. Whoa, okay, now it's getting deep. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Just drop theological bombshell on these guys. And watch how they reply. Well, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? (laughs) And they threw him out. Can I remind you that once Jesus has set you free, don't be surprised when you have historians that want to remind you that you don't deserve the freedom that you've found. And maybe you've got friends like that. Oh, you think you're all like, oh, you're all holy now? Oh, you received Jesus? Oh, okay, all right, yeah, okay. You, you don't realize, like, you, you, you think you're all better than us now? Oh, why don't you go sit back on your mat? Get back on your mat. That's where you belong. You were stupid sin at birth. You don't deserve any of this. And some of us don't have friends like that. Some of us just have tape recorders playing. Remember back in the 1900s, we had tape recorders? The, we had tape recorders playing in our minds. They just hit play. Sometimes we hit play ourselves, and it just goes on research. You know, you've done too much. You're not really forgiven. How could God forgive you? You aren't really free. This is a sham. You're a play actor. People are going to find out who you really are. You think that you deserve forgiveness because you carry a Bible and go to church? <laughs> Keep believing that. Don't be surprised that when Jesus sets you free, you have historians that will try to remind you that you don't deserve the freedom that you found. For some of us, maybe we just need to agree and be like, yeah, I don't deserve it. I was a low-down, dirty scoundrel. You're right. And Jesus saved me, and it is not of my own doing or 
certainly you haven't helped, right? But I'm free indeed through what Christ has bought for me. I'm going to finish with this, Romans chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. I pray that you hear that this morning. Whether you've been free for five minutes or free for 38 years, that God would speak that truth over you to not allow opponents you never thought you had, accusers that would like to push you back down in the place where, you, where you, they, they found you, historians that continually just remind you that you don't deserve that which you've been given, that therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's good news, amen? That's, that's the most encouraging message you never wanted to hear. Which means that you can praise him in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the storm. And it's a, it's a great reminder that the struggle that's in front of us pales in comparison to the struggle that he pulled us out of. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? I was reading down through First Peter, and it's like, okay, Peter, like, you gave us this real encouraging word of, like, don't be surprised if you go through horrible things, and don't think it's strange if life stinks in the moment. Like, it's pretty much like it's kind of, hey, just it's not that big of a deal. I kind of think it is, Peter. I feel like you're not really taking a heart what I'm going through, and what am I supposed to do with that which you just kind of said to me? And he says in verse 19, I love this. I want to go through it slowly here as we finish out. He says this. So if you find life difficult because you're doing what God said, let's pause there for a second. If you're doing what God told you to do, just keep doing what God told you to do. But I don't necessarily know how it's working out. It doesn't seem to be working out that great. Like I, I was doing what God told me to do and then all hell broke loose and the wheels are coming off and you know, it's not going the way that I was thought it was going to look like, and there are no unicorns and, and, and roses around. Like, I thought this was going to look different than the way it looks. He says, just keep on doing what you're doing. You're doing what God told you to do. And then he says, take it in stride. Love that. Take it in stride. So, so rather than, than laying back down on your mat, just keep on walking. But I kind of feel tired. I I kind of feel like maybe I want to lay down again. Just keep on walking. Don't even allow the opponents that, that you never thought you had and the accusers that would like to suck you back down cause you even to break stride. Keep your head up, not because of what you have, but because what is on the inside of you. He says, there is no, there's therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. When you have Christ living on the inside of you, you can walk with your head held up high, not even breaking a stride to those of you who say, whoa, 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 what do you think you're doing? Get back here. You're walking? Was that a sachet I saw? Yeah, I was sacheting. I'm going to keep sacheting, right? What do you think you're doing? Get off me. 
scared I'm going to break my stride. Because I'm not focused on you, and I'm not focused on what's behind me, and I'm not focused on the people and the haters and people that are trying to pull me back. Because why? I don't have time to go back. I spent 38 years back there lying down. You're not going to get me to lay back down in the muck that he just plucked me out of. Hey, am I crazy? It's crazy. So heck no. You lie on my back. It's heavy anyway. Take it in stride. And then he says, trust him. In other words, do what's right and then leave the results to God. Well, but I don't know how it's going to work out. Like, if I do this and I forgive this person, and what if they don't? What if they don't actually care? And what, what, what if I? What if I? What if I pay my taxes like this? But then it, it comes back on you. Do what's right and then leave the results to God. You don't have to figure it all out. That's the beauty. That's the beauty of this thing. You couldn't figure it out. You didn't figure it out. Jesus showed up when you were paralyzed you, and, and you couldn't do anything to help yourself and he lifted you up. So quit thinking that you need to do something. You just need to continue doing what he's called you to do. Don't break stride and trust him. Do what you know is right even when you don't know how it's going to work out. Have, that, have those hard conversations that you've been avoiding for five years now. Forgive that person that, that, that you know doesn't deserve it. Confess your sins. Walk in righteousness. Tell the truth even when it's not popular. And he, and he ends this, and he says this. He knows what he's doing, and he'll keep on doing it. <laughs> That's the best news you never wanted to hear. I'm in the midst of some junk right now, a struggle that I don't necessarily know how this thing is going to end. I don't, I don't want to be in this place. I'm in a season right now that I, would wa I want to be just taken right out of. And I, I just believe God's word for you is this. I know what I'm doing, and I'll keep on doing it. Your job is just keep walking. Don't break stride. Just trust me. I know what I'm doing, and I'll keep on doing it. I have you, and I have this, and I have your marriage, I have your family, I have your kids, I have your life, I have, listen, you, don't jump to conclusions and start thinking you need to now all of a sudden start taking control because I'm off the job and I am not paying attention to what's going on in your life. Can I just remind you that the same God that saved you is the same God in the midst of your struggle that you find yourself in today? He hasn't changed. He hasn't changed. He's the same Savior that saved you out of the junk that he found you in. It's the same Savior that's going to walk you through your struggle. Quit trying to run away from it. Jesus is like, if you just, just keep walking, keep your head up, don't break stride, don't you look back, don't you allow people to drag you back, pull you back into the junk that I plucked you out of. I worked too hard to have you go back and lay down on the mat that I just lifted you off of. So I wonder if today, as we're singing, as we end in this worship song, I wonder if some of you today, man, you're just kind of fed up because the devil's just been having a heyday with you. Man, you've just been stuck. 
been thinking about sitting down, Pastor Justin. I don't know. It seems easier. I got friends around me that just would love me to go back into it. Like, but I can't. And I refuse to allow the presence of persecution in my life to cause me to doubt the presence of God. Because there's nothing for me here. Jesus, I pray you, you call people to yourself today. Those of us in here that are in a place where we're just, I, I'm thinking about quitting, Pastor Justin. I'm, I'm thinking about sitting back down. I, I feel like this struggle has the best of me. Jesus, I pray that you would be our rear guard, our comforter. God, I pray you would surround each and every person that feels like they're in a place right now where they can't go to their left or to their right. They're afraid to walk forward. and They're intimidated by people that would love to silence them. Lord, we choose to walk straight in what it is that you called us to and trust you in the midst of uncertain circumstances. So I wonder today, maybe even right now, you start walking forward as, as just a, you know what, devil? You get off me. Get off me. You have nothing on me. Oh, but you were a sinner. You, you realize what kind of, yeah, I was. Thank God for saving me. But you're not going to hold my history as though it disqualifies me. I serve a great God. I serve a great God. Lord Jesus, I pray that as we lift your name up today in this place, that people would have the guts to say, God, I'm choosing to walk this thing out. And I don't necessarily know how you're going to work it out. And I'm in the midst of really uncertain. My, my marriage, my family, my, my finances, my health. I just got this stuff going on, Jesus. But I'm choosing to trust you in the middle of it. I wonder how many of us would say, God, I'm choosing to, to just step, step up, to step into, to praise you in the middle of the storm that I find myself in. So let's lift him up. Let's lift him up together. If you feel led, if you're in this place, I want to encourage you to take a step forward as an act of faith and obedience to what God has called you to. Let's thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's lift him up today.